Dice Company contains fantasy violence, mature themes, and unapologetic bickering. No feelings were hurt in the making of it, but listener discretion is advised. Dice Company will always be free, but it's not free to make. Please consider supporting us on Patreon or Apple Podcasts and get access to our weekly roundtable show Extra Roll. Just follow any of the links in the show notes for this chapter. Welcome one and all to Dice Company, where a group of old friends weave tales of triumph, heroism and despair under the guise of playing Dungeons and Dragons. My name is Tom, and I'll be your DM through the continuing adventures of this party of high-value Imperial targets. High-value Imperial targets, please introduce yourselves and tell the audience one fun fact about your characters. Hello, I'm Dave, and I play Benny Quez. With today's fact, I'm going to fix a misconception about Benny. Benny's not that crazy about apricots. I mean, they're fine. It was the first fruit he ever ate, and it was it was lovely and everything, but... Since then, he's discovered other fruits that are even better. His favourite fruit is uh, something he discovered quite recently when he first went outside Middleton and discovered in the uh, hedgerows growing there delicious blackberries. Oh, glorious. Sweet and delicious, but also slightly tart. They kind of remind him of himself in many ways. (laughs) Blackberry jam. (laughs) Somehow, impossibly, we're back on fruit. (laughs) I, I like it. I like the, the tying it into his character being somewhat tart. <laughs> yeah, very good. Thanks. No notes. Hi, my name is Charlie. I play Vander Finnick. And my fact this week relates to Vander's reckoning, which was very different to that of Benny's. In the early days of the war, a young Lieutenant Highmore was dispatched with a cohort of soldiers to reinforce a watchtower believed to be a likely target of the Empire. At this point, Highmore was a noble, a minor noble, with an unremarkable military career. But this was all about to change as his section arrived in the early hours of the morning to find troops locked in a desperate struggle against a sizable enemy force. The fighting was intense, and somewhere in it, the young lieutenant lost himself. Little is written of what transpired, but stories of a fighter like no other other spread like wildfire. Within weeks, Rogans were tasked with tracking down the source of these stories, a young lieutenant whose troops had begun to call him the Blade itself. Nice. Very nice. You, mm. you know that the way to my heart is through law of this world, and <laughs> you've done it again. For a minute, I thought he was going to go Flashman, and like he was draped in the flag with all the men dead. <laughs> and I was draped in the flag. No, no, okay. <laughs> that was really good. The Vander story continues to be peeled back like an onion which is incidentally what he smells like. Okay, I see Benny went fruit, I went onions. <laughs> I'm Harry, I play Toc, an imposing six foot eight automaton. Automatons are typically given masculine names, but they have no innate gender. Nearly all languages have this biological-based bifurcation, however. The one notable exception is Dwarven, where the only distinction is made between dwarves, as Durugi, and the non-Dwarven, Durugnal, literally beardless, or if pronounced in a particularly mean-spirited way, elf. Is that our campaign? Our campaign's version of the Silmarillion? Is that what <laughs> happened? That was wonderful. Hidden references all over the place. For those who haven't got the reference, Durignal was his character's name in the last campaign you guys did together. Al, you've probably forgotten that, but it happened earlier this year. 
you know, with all the D&D you played. <laughs> I was playing a lot of, I don't know, a game with lots of head injuries. I was an NFL linebacker at that period of my life, so I can't remember any of it. Hi, I'm Alex, and I'm playing Augustus. And as we learned last week, Augustus is the first son of Denothia. But will there be another first son of Denothia? Well, maybe not, because Augustus lost a testicle in a jousting accident several years ago. And he does not know if he is capable of siring children. You know when a fact starts and you think to yourself, <laughs> okay, I can see where this is going. And then it just goes like 90 degrees, hard left, completely unexpected. I'm shocked. Exactly as that Lance did back in the day. <laughs> exactly, That's exactly the problem. The old 90 degree Lance swivel. Aren't you meant to be aiming for the breastplate? Isn't that, that's a that's terrible aim from someone. But of all the ways to lose a testicle with a lance. It was quick. Like a grape under tock under Franz Hammer's <laughs> hammer. No too much. Hammer and anvil. We're gonna need a moment. Takes a lot to sicken Vanda. <laughs> you can see why I needed two runs at this fact. <laughs> it's stuck in the throat. Oh. And also it adds richness to the uh, ball kicking fight that Augustus lost three one to a zombie in the tomb of the wanderer. Yes, it does. I uh... Do we dare ask after the welfare of his one remaining testicle? Let's stop talking about testicles immediately, please. I'm really, really glad that I didn't go for the other fact I was going to go on because it was about nuts. <laughs> about uh, toxicals. <laughs> that is not a thing. That is not canon. <laughs> Hashtag toxicals. <laughs> right, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the next chapter of Dice Company. Toxicals. It is the 14th of Gladden, six days from the summer solstice. Convincing the people of Haven to move once again, the party split with Tok and Vanda meeting a surviving member of the Council of Rojan, Seraphina, who had hard truths for Vanda and a warning for Tok about the importance of the Obsidian Matrix. Meanwhile, Augustus and Benny went in search of a potential spy, which led them to find Magnus, a goblin in disguise, who kept them talking long enough for Morven's new airship to arrive over Haven. As Vanda, Tok, Tick and Seraphina transported through a tree to get back to the village, at the same time that Benny Augustus and Otis appeared on the poop deck of the Sterling, Morven broadcast a warning to the people of Haven. Traitors of Haven, your time is at an end. What would you like to do? Wow. Would we call that a warning? Or it's just a statement? <laughs> we discuss that, shall we? No, keep talking, Sorry. keep talking, see what uh -oh. happens. <laughs> Vander looks up at the airship and fixes his one eye. He grips his cane tightly and turns to the group. Gentlemen, it appears to me that our lives hang in the balance. I believe we may have to trust each other this night and work together to try to escape the clutches of Morven. With that in mind, I have some suggestions. Tell him quick, Vander. Tell him quick. I believe our best hope lies in drawing Morven's attention away from our airship and the villagers of Haven. What I suggest is this. We board the ship and utilize the cart that Augustus has so very kindly placed there for us. We make our getaway whilst showing Morven very clearly where we're going. This with luck, and given the value we stand for him, and he may follow us and leave the Haveners to the airship. 
We can tell them to guide the airship to the location we originally planned to take the group, and there we can rendezvous with them, having lost Morven and his many soldiers. Tok immediately turns, runs towards the airship, and as he's running away, you hear him say, I find this to be acceptable. <laughs> uh, Tok and Tick are just immediately going to hightail it to the airship and get the cart off. Okay, Vander's a little bit startled by one of his plans actually coming off, but he's going to shamble away behind Tok. <laughs> Augustus said, very great, like puts a hand on Vander's shoulder and looks him square in the eye and says, Vander, you had me at stagecoach. Vander could cry at this point. <laughs> <laughs> and then Augustus, seeing the, the momentum of the occasion, runs full pelt after Tok and Tick. Good enough, Thunder. Good enough. I'll start rounding up villagers. And I dash off, loudly yelling at the villagers to get aboard. I'll take that, Benny. <laughs> yes. As you are loudly shouting at the villagers, Isabella runs up to you. What's going on? Shadow Vanguard, get aboard ship, quick. Are you coming with us? Uh, no, we're going to do a diversion. We'll be off in cart and we'll meet you. Um, we'll, we'll loop around and meet you. She looks uncomfortable and awkward and kind of shifts slightly and says, I just, just wanted to say, I mean. And then she throws herself in and kisses you. After a moment, she pulls away with a big smile on her face and strokes your cheek. Don't die, okay? That's the plan. That's That's... That's definitely the plan. Right. Yeah, get on board quick. I will uh we'll 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 see you when we um we'll see you when we see you. And she pulls up her hood and begins yelling for the rest of the Havenites to get aboard the ship. The rest of you have run onto or aboard the Sterling. What is it you're doing while you're there? I think um, coordinate with the other three automatons to get the horses and cart off the airship as quickly as possible. Then Tok is going to go back to his workshop, deposit the two first generation automatons from his bag of holding into his workshop in a corner, then just gather food and water, basically supplies for us, and then leave with the horse and cart. Can I find Thrain in the melee? You see him and he's kind of rushing and helping Isabella to get people aboard. Thrain, we found your traitor. It was Magnus. He is not a human at all. He is a goblin in long-term employ of the Empire and of Morven. We are going to depart to draw the eye of the enemy away. I leave it to you to guard and deal with this traitor in what way you see fit. Yeah, I will deal with him. I could probably get the horses down the thing as we we know I'm a pretty good horse wrangler and also I know I mean I just call the ramp the thing whatever the the, the, the gangplank down the gangplank horses uh, <laughs> I, I, I walk up to the horses and say follow <laughs> the current plan of the automatons to get the horses off the airship is just to bodily carry them down like with one automaton per oh leg of the horse oh my god Vanda you notice that Nozzle is currently stood outside of the door of your cabin as I walk towards Nozzle and my cabin, I'm going to yell, Otis, Nozzle, Plex, assist Tok and Augustus with shackling the cart. And as I go past, I'm going to take Plex, if he's near me, by the shoulder briefly and say, Plex, Yainwander, be careful. I'm leaving you in charge. Yainwander. And Vander squeezes his shoulder very tenderly before continuing on his routes to his cabin. Plex and Otis do as you ask. Nozzle remains stood by your cabin. Vanda, I cannot leave. I was asked to guard a prisoner. 
and he opens the door to your cabin and tied up on the floor is a goblin. Thank you, Nozzle. Please move to assist the others as they shackle the cart. I will take care of this. Yes, Vander. And he shuts the door and heads off. Vander slips inside his study. A chill goes down Augustus's spine and he has no idea why. Vander is going to move around the uh, his cabin now, picking up vital supplies and donning an Inverness coat. Perfect for getaways. While he's doing that, I don't suppose you have a name. <laughs> Vander loosens the gag around his mouth. Speak. My name's Magnus. I see. And how did you come to be like this? Oh, well, your two little buddies, they tied me up. My two buddies being Augustus and Benny? Mm, the first son of Denothlia and the other one. I see. And with that, Vander continues to pick stuff up and place that, place those things in a bag. He pulls the gag back up over the mouth of the goblin. I've heard it said that people often regard themselves as the heroes in their own story. Sadly, in my story, you're a loose end. And Vander unsheathes a knife and moves towards the goblin. As he does so, Vander pauses for a second. Damn it! You're lucky I have a friend who would be most disappointed in my next decision. <laughs> Before leaving the cabin, Vander turns over his shoulder, heaving his knife and says, Your death will be brutal, but not by my hand. And then leaves the cabin in the direction of the cart. Before we leave on the cart, there's one more thing Tok would like to do. Take the map that he got from the shop with the destination on. He's going to make a copy of it on his uh, little tablet that he writes on and an image, basically well, basically a perfect image copy of the map appears on this little tablet. Then he's going to give the map to Alara. Quite right, quite right. You hand the map to Elara, uh, who is there also helping gather people up and the people of Haven are now kind of streaming onto the ship at high speed. In the distance you see Morven's airship slowly, inexorably descends to land in the village. Time is running out. As Vander heads towards the cart, he switches out his mask for the first time. He puts away his usual porcelain mask and pulls from his bag a black mask on which he has crudely fashioned the sigil of the heron and yells over to, to Nozzle. Nozzle, help me up. Yes, Vander. And Vander is hoisted up into the front of the cart, the driver's position. Tok will get on the cart. Tick will get in the bag of holding. Benny has been rounding up the villagers. He's kind of standing on the deck, having a quick scan around to make sure there's nobody missing. Do I see anything? As far as you can tell, everyone who should be on board is now on board. You start to see the automatons moving along the poop deck, getting the ship ready for takeoff. So I start running towards the car, but I like to take a small detour to the nearest automaton. You come across Otis. Otis. Yes, Benny. While you're with villagers at Haven, can I suggest you take orders only from Ilara or Isabella? Yes, Benny. Oh, and one other thing. I'm going to leave Lenny on the ship. I reckon we'll be safer here. Do us a favour and keep an eye on him, would you? Yes, Benny. Good job. Maybe let the others know as well. All right, good luck. And I sprint down to jump onto the cart. Good luck, Benny. As he does that, Vander reaches down to take Benny's arm. Benny, 
I get the impression that we'll be relying on your bow tonight. If I may, I would like to make a small change to the arrangement. I look at him quizzically. Vanda at this stage casts prestidigitation on the arrows uh, in Benny's quiver. And if I cast that correctly, they will now glow. They do indeed start to glow, a kind of bioluminescent colour. Quite beautiful. Amazing. May your shafts find their mark. I nod in appreciation to Vanda and find my position on the cart. Vanda is also going to cast prestidigitation on his flintlock for the same effect of shell rounds. Uh, so we've got Vanda at the front. Uh, Tick is in the bag of holding. Tok, you are... Where are you on the cart? Go in the back of the cart, I guess. Okay, so holding on to the back. Augustus is going to hopefully find a kind of place, maybe like on the top. I mean, this is an impractical vehicle of warfare, isn't it? Yes, yes it is. <laughs> and Benny, you are going to be inside the cart? Am I going to be able to lean out the window shoot? You certainly are. Then I'll be inside the cart. Amazing. With the cool night air surrounding you, Vanda sat atop the front while Top grabs the back. Augustus rides the top and Benny sits inside, leaning out of a window. You prepare yourself for the off. From the side of the Imperial airship in front of you, a lone figure leaps from hundreds of feet above the ground. It's Morven. As he approaches the ground, his descent then magically slows and gently he lands on both feet on the muddy floor, drawing a red flaming blade which ignites in his hand. Oh my god. As he does so, Tok's gonna, standing on, to, on the back of the cart, Tok's gonna draw his sword, which is going to be glowing white. Oh my god. I'm not sure whether she'll be able to hear me, but I'm going to speak as if Seraphina can hear me. Seraphina, if you can hear me, do whatever you can to show Morven that we are on this cart. I want him to follow us, not the Haveners. Okay, so so what I'm hoping, so Augustus draws his sword, uh, stands up on top of the cart, and as he draws his sword, he's hoping that what Seraphina is going to do is cast an illusion of fire on both the wheels of the cart, but also onto the blade of his sword. <laughs> and as he does that, he is going to cast divine favor on his sword, which empowers you with divine radiance. Uh, DM, are you allowing all this? Yeah, go for it. Looking in sheer wonder at Augustus, Vanda cracks the reins and says, We're off. Benny, you overhear Vanda talking to a mysterious person who isn't there, uh, asking for something to basically light it up. I wonder what these two are playing at. And there's a split second of nothing happening. And I decide better to be helpful than funny and cast minor illusion on Augustus's sword, making it appear a mighty flaming weapon in the night sky. Yes, please. Vanda whispers, thank you, Seraphina. <laughs> One quick thing, the raven is flying above the carriage, acting as uh, a bit of a navigator, so looking out for any obstacles or, or things that we need to be aware of that might slow us down, kind of relaying that back. Morven is walking towards you guys, he's seen everything you've done and he's walking with purpose. He stops momentarily and looks to the tree line to the south. He turns to face that direction, which gives you the split second you need to get going. Vanda, give me a animal handling check, please. Okay. This is a big one. It's huge, isn't it? 
Uh, okay. Tok's going to guide you. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? But for once, I have absolutely no problems with that. <laughs> Insufferably, by giving you, like, just the standard, the reins must be pulled on the right to turn right and on the left to turn left. Don't forget to say follow. Vander clearly finds this helpful because he scores 19. <laughs> with Morven staring to the south, there is a sudden, steady rumbling of wooden wheels. He looks left just in time to see a fine stagecoach with Herod livery screaming from the direction of the Sterling, flames blazing from behind it. Augustus stood on top with a flaming sword. Vanda with a black mask with a cloak billowing in the wind. An automaton stood at the back and Benny leaning out of the window. Augustus, it may be time to show Morvan that it's us on this card. Augustus points the tip of the sword at Morvan and with his other hand, he raises his middle finger at Morvan, showing his Denothlian signet ring and shouts, Morvan, come and get us, you dirty bastard. You zoom past Morvan, he pivots and yells, Duh! and holds his hand out, just like he did with the airship weeks before. Only this time, nothing happens. He looks around furiously, completely oblivious to the small squirrel nearby holding an acorn directly towards him. <gasps> Augustus holds his middle finger up at Morvan, suddenly imagining that somehow that's stopping his magic. Can I fire an arrow at him while he's distracted? You absolutely can. Give me a shot. 90. Nice. That is a hit. <gasps> Roll for damage. Nice. Six. Barely notices. The bioluminescent arrow fires out of the window of the flaming stagecoach with the nobleman riding atop it. It catches Morvan in his hand and drags him to the floor, pinning him into the cold, muddy earth. Can I chuck a dagger at Morvan as we're disappearing, or am I too far away now? You can certainly do that. 19. Which is a hit. Please roll for damage. Five. So with Benny's bioluminescent arrow pinning Morvan to the floor, Augustus follows with a knife throw from the top of the cart, which stabs him in the shoulder. For the first time, you hear a grunt of pain from the masked shadow vanguard. And as the carriage disappears into the darkness, you hear Augustus shout, Knife style! <laughs> he looks back towards his airship and yells in a booming, sonorous voice, Chasers after them! Shit. From the airship, a slew of sleek, small stagecoaches rumble down the rampway, each with a bounder controlling the horses, with one hanging on the side with a sword and one on the roof with a heavy crossbow. They begin to pursue you. Vanda, animal handling check, please. Okay, so am I being guided? You didn't say it and you've rolled the dice, so no, you're not. Oh, God. 15. Okay. Uh, you're able to get ahead of the chasers before they properly depart. You are now in a chase. Vander, as he's cracking the reins, reaches into his bag and passes back the bag of explosives, one of the things he picked up from his cabin. Benny, you may find this of use. Yes, I might. You guys careen through the cold night air away from Haven, heading towards the forest tree line where there is a path to the west. Benny, Missy has swooped ahead as instructed and is scouting out a simple path for you to follow. I yelled to Vanda as instructed by the raven, um, a path pretty much due west through some gaps in the trees. Vanda casts his eye upwards, fixes on the raven and begins to follow in that direction. Give me an animal handling check, please, Vanda. Damn it, shouldn't have mentioned anything. 17. 
Behind you, you can see the sleek and lightweight stagecoaches of the Empire with the bounders on it. But you're managing to maintain a decent distance between you and them, although their numbers do appear to be swelling as you move. Tox going to keep a lookout back. Can, can we see the Sterling lift off at all? As you look back beyond the bounders and beyond Morven, who is still pinned to the ground, the Sterling begins to take off. Bander's facing forward, so he calls back, Tock, have they taken the bait? The bounders are in pursuit. The Sterling is airborne. There appears to be no pursuit of the Sterling. Then, boys, it's on. As Vander <laughs> cracks the reins. <laughs> behind the um they're about 150 feet to yeah. 160 feet behind you at the moment but they are slowly starting to gain on you as because of the width of the path they can only go too wide and the two lead bounder stagecoaches begin to hone into view it's the terrain like beneath our wheels it's actually quite flat muddy that this appears to be an old path. This is not one that's commonly used, obviously, because it's quite overgrown, but you can see the kind of divots of, of previous carts that have been through here. As we're fleeing, we don't know really know where we're going. Tok was going to uh, test out his new Obsidian Matrix button on his wrist. Tok, you push the golden coin-shaped button on your wrist and ask it the question. Obsidian Matrix, I wish to know the location of any local dwarven mines or deep gnome settlements in this vicinity. What does mythical Wikipedia say about that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Your wrist crackles and you hear the voice of Engram responding. Well, yes, communication is important. And the finest way of communicating that we know of is the ever-rare sending stone. Construction of these is quite tricky, but for a master tinker, there are always ways, which I'll explain now. And he begins to go through a really comprehensive and complicated system of creating sending stones, which ends with him saying, And of course you'll need two smooth stones, preferably with tourmaline gemstones on the inside. These are quite rare and can only be found in a few locations in Athlon, notably the western portion of the Moonshadow Mountains in the old abandoned mines of the dwarven people there. There are a number of entrances to these mines, but be warned, not everything which is abandoned is empty. Wonderfully ominous. I love that we're escaping on a cart and Tok has the focus to go through a YouTube tutorial <laughs> while, we're, while we're doing that. <laughs> obviously, I, obviously, everyone's going to hear Tok talking to the City Matrix. I don't need to mention it to anybody. <laughs> I hope you've got the subscription, otherwise it's adverts. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Carts and Karting. Roll initiative, please. 14 for Vanda. Uh, 13 for Tok. Uh, two for Augustus. Seventeen for Benny. The two lead bounder stagecoaches have caught up with you. Benny, what would you like to do? I'm leaning out the window and I've sort of found a way to wedge myself between the seats. I've got kind of a, a firm position. And as I lean out, rather than reaching for my bow, I twist the ring in my finger and appear to be concentrating quite intensely. Suddenly, the large tree trunk appears on the path in front of the bounders' carriages. I would like to cast Minor Illusion. Great idea. And the bounder carriage swerves violently to the left in order to avoid the illusion that you've created and smashes into a nearby tree as the bounders go flying. And all three are dead on impact. Unfortunately for you, another carriage takes its place. 
and get a good idea how many carriages there are behind. There are around 30 carriages. Oh, 30? How big is that airship? It's massive. I did describe it as massive. You did, but, I mean, still, 30 carriages is a lot of carriages. It does make the naysayers who suggested we couldn't get one carriage on our airship start to look a bit silly. Doesn't it? Doesn't it just do that? <laughs> I don't know if it was couldn't as much as shouldn't, but uh, it has it has paid off. Well, if we were all if we were all crammed onto some pathetic little donkey cart now, trying to stag- trying to get all reliable to stagger us away from these bandits. Before my turn ends, can I shout, "Talk! Can you make us a fuse or something like that?" Indeed. A fuse is within my capabilities to construct. And whilst talking, take stuff out of his pocket and then hand Benny a small like taper. How long do you wish the fuse to be in seconds, Benny? Maybe three? Talk will cut it down and say, I cannot increase the length of the fuse if you choose at a later date. The perils of live artificing. Vanda. Vanda, still holding the reins, turns to peer back at the stagecoaches rattling along behind them. And with a sharp gesture of his hands, uh, casts grease in front of one of the lead stagecoaches. Vanda, you create <laughs> a pool of grease in front of one of the pursuing bounder stagecoaches, which slips and begins to spin wildly and disappears into the tree line to the north, only to be immediately replaced with another one. That's uh, scratch two bandits. Three per carriage. That's scratch six bandits. Always thinking about the spreadsheet. That's three legit kills. <laughs> Tuck. Okay, Tok's going to reach into his bag, take out a fine crystal decanter full of like a <laughs> green bubbling drink, and uh, he's then going to yeet it at one of the um, the coaches behind us. It's a improvised being thrown, and uh, within is a... Um, Carbonated creme de menthe. It's a vial of acid. Roll, please. <laughs> Hashtag Tox's sweetheart. That is a 16. Give me roll for damage, please. That's nine damage. The rest of you see Tok pulling out a vial of greenish-looking liquid, and he just turns behind him and just sort of casually tosses it up in the air. And as it falls back down, the bounder's carriage screams into it as it shatters over the face of the driver of the stagecoach. You see his flesh beginning to melt as he screams as the carriage also smashes into a nearby tree. Bounder, I wish to apologize. I have broken one of your fine crystal decanters. I'm sure you meant well, Tok. <laughs> As he cracks the reins again. The two lead stagecoaches begin to gain on you and pull alongside you while two more take their place behind you. From either side to jump and clamber up to the top of the stagecoach to surround Augustus. That's a natural 20 for the first one on Augustus. That's 11 damage, please. Where did that pass? With you immediately surrounded, one of them stabs into your gut. Uh, the pain is excruciating as the second attacks. Uh, he is unable to land his blow, however. And then the two heavy crossbows begin to fire at Tok. 21. Is a hit. Please take eight damage, Tok. As one of the heavy bolts from the crossbow pierces you in your shoulder, the second fires for 19. That's also a hit. Please take 10 damage as the second pierces you from the other side. Well, shit. I feel like this is changing direction really quickly. Yeah. Augustus, your retort. But I'm going to uh, stab the guy between me and Vander. I figure he's more danger because he could not only attack me, but could also kill our driver, which would be probably good news for humanity, but bad news for those of us on the cart. That would be 16. 
is a hit. Please roll for damage. Eight. Tell me a story. Augustus is still quite angry about the goblin who he seemed unable to kill, even though he was basically imprisoned in a tiny room full of Augustus's allies. So in a hurry, he jams the sword into the bandit's stomach. And then like, you know, when you get, you try and pull a coat hanger out and it's stuck to another coat hanger and you get frustrated and you like jangle them about trying to pull them apart. He does that with the sword, pulls it out, Bander slumps off the side, gets run over by the wheels and disappears into the darkness. I see you've got over your fear of combat. Yeah, I'm feeling pretty good about it. I would also like to cast, as a bonus action, Sanctuary on Vanda. So Vanda will have to decide whether to focus on doing non-harmful drivey things, because obviously once he attacks someone, he's going to lose the protection that Augustus has granted him. You could drop things off the side. There's still some things you could do, but I forget if we lose our driver, we are screwed. Very nice. Good round. And we're back to the top of the round with Benny. I can't see what's going on on top of the carriage, but I can see the two carts flanking us, and that feels like a concern. So I decide I need to be rid of, try and rid us of one of them. So what I do is I uh, I cast Mage Hand, and I use the magical hand simply to take my grappling hook and shove it in the nearest wheel of the vehicle alongside us. I gotta say, I like it. I don't hate it. And it's nice that you're not attached to the grappling hook this time as well, which is like yeah. showing that you've learned. Big help. <laughs> Do me a favor, roll me a D100. Let's see how much chaos you cause. 18. Benny, you summon an invisible hand which grips onto your grappling hook and carries it directly into the wheel of the nearby Bounders stagecoach. It immediately gets wrapped up as the wheel kind of crumples and cracks and breaks and the cart stops suddenly and forward flips, spinning in the air, landing with a crash upside down. Uh, the driver and the crossbowman are both killed on impact, leaving a wreckage behind. The cart behind is unable to move out of the way in time and crashes into the back of it. Out of the window, I yell, yeah, how do you like them apples? You're, uh, Have I ruined it? Smack talk needs some work, I think. It's been a big night, like, you know. We all suffer a mental block, I don't know. Banda. Banda's going to deviate the direction of the cart. I'm going to try and use my advantage on the other cart to ram it off the road. So you don't want to deal damage to them, let it land. Uh, but I figure if I knock the cart right, and then it goes off the road and then they damage themselves in the crash. You can't, not really, no. If I just walk forwards, flailing my <laughs> yeah, arms. And you walk into <laughs> my <laughs> Exactly. It's a bit like that. <laughs> I'm going to cast Telekinetic Hand on the guard by Augustus, and I'm going to try and push him five feet backwards, giving Augustus uh, and Augustus a reactionary attack or throwing him from the cart. I didn't hurt him. The fall did. Well, if he clings on and Augustus hurts him, that might just be within... I'm going to say that you're eight, you can push him back, but you can't push him off because pushing him off would be effectively damaging him. I will push him back. And if someone else gets to sh have an attack, then that's life. Uh, so he needs to do a constitution saving throw. He does. <laughs> Hello. Vanda, you lean back and attempt to use your telekinetic hand to push the bounder back. Unbelievably, this normally moronic type character has a second wind in terms of his mental fortitude and his physical strength and he does not budge one inch. Did I just meet the first Mensa of the Bounder Guards? Yes, you did. <laughs> Damn it! So when you said a normally moronic character, I thought you meant Vander. Tok. Tok is going to climb up on top of the coach, and he's then going to push the Bounder off into the wheels of the coach next door. But he truly is the Rasputin of the group, isn't he? <laughs> 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 James, famous sweethearts. <laughs> what? 
You'd literally just try to push him off. Why is this worse? <laughs> Nothing to do with me. I'm just the advisor to the king. <laughs> he shot me with a heavy crossbow. Tok's a pragmatist, isn't he? He just does the most effective thing at any given moment. And in fairness, he's always been brutal towards the Empire, so this is in keeping yeah. with his character. Uh, so the score to beat is 11. His magical armor of magical strength to that for a 30. So again, Tok's armor will glow like with a crackling blue light. Uh, and he pushes the bounder from atop the stagecoach. The body of the rather intelligent Mensa candidate of Bounders <laughs> falls immediately under the heavy wooden wheels of the Bounders stagecoach and he just gets torn to shreds as the cart just goes over the top of him and does not deviate from its path, just crushes him underfoot. This has delayed the discovery of the light bulb by 50 years. <laughs> I was going to say, a new genetic line of superhumans was stubbed out. <laughs> Tox's going to try and gain some cover from the um, crossbows. <laughs> so Tom gets up on top of the coach, throws a, a Mensa bander off it, and then horrifyingly creeps behind the luggage like some demonic spider. So he'll just lie down on top of the coach and hold on. And it's the bounder's turn. The two nearest stagecoaches, one begins to push up towards the back of your cart while the one alongside you is attempting to get ahead of you so they can pull in. The bounder alongside you with the heavy crossbow turns to fire at Vander. That would be a two. For a second, it looks like the bounder's about to fire a heavy crossbow at the driver, Vander. He sees the mask, thinks better of it, pivots, and fires at Augustus. I know what you're going to say. That's a natural 20. Yeah, I know what you can say that. Natural 20, of course. <laughs> Augustus, please take seven damage. That could have been a lot worse. Yeah, he rolled He rolled a three. Tok took 18. That's the problem with D10s when it comes to crits. How are you looking, Augustus? Good as gold, thank you. Just planning my next move. I stay in a very nice private hospital by the seaside. The, the heavy crossbow bolt smashes you in the chest. Luckily, your armor is able to kind of take some of the blow. But the bounder from behind fires the crossbow next oh my god i've rolled another one so just to follow up so i got three natural ones in a row last week which i analyzed and found that the chances of that were literally one in eight thousand now there's been three attacks on me three natural 20s that is also one in eight fucking thousand i mean i, I suppose we shouldn't put those two things together because there's been a bunch of stuff in between but the, the odds of this are relatively slim are you starting to think you swore to the wrong gods <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I heard there are other options out there. <laughs> um, Augustus, please take 17 damage as the second bolt pierces you in the back. And with that, Augustus is down. We need to do a death saving throw for Augustus. For the listeners, that's a 17. Uh, back to the top of the round with Benny. I'm going to take the fuse that Tok has passed me. I'm gonna grab some of the explosive powder, put it into my mage hand, light the fuse, and drop it in the lap of the driver of the carriage behind us. Yes! Just war crime after war crime from us, isn't it? Do you mean, do you mean just like a handful? Like, as in, just the mage is gonna grab into the bag? Yeah. That's awful. <laughs> well, that's the idea that I had. In the heat of the moment. I love it. I think it's amazing. It's going to set fire to someone. <laughs> also, it's an invisible mage hand, isn't it? So he's just going to see, like, just 
literally just there'll just be like a collection of black powder flying through the air really neatly and together in a clump um, with a fuse attached to it please roll 2d6 2d6 seven so the black powder is carried by your invisible hand and lands in the lap of the driver of the cart behind you the prerequisite number of seconds ticks down and you hear an enormous explosion behind you as the stagecoach and all the bounders on it are just incinerated before your eyes. The explosion is so loud that some of the stagecoaches behind them begin to slow down. And we get shoved forward. No, no. There's going to be no one left to enforce parking rules and police community events because the entire police force has been wiped out. A mixture of acid and explosives so far. It's... <laughs> yeah, we're, we're bad people, I think. Yeah. Especially talk. I think maybe we just got pushed too far. And I directly caused my own death, didn't I? Because one of the crits came from someone who did try to shoot Vander. Yeah. Well done, me. I just think if, if they'd critted Vander, that might have been a, quite a big problem for us, wasn't it? So, I mean, and not, to, not to say that you being uh, at risk of death isn't a big problem for us. Well, I mean, I can't actually fire... I can't fire anything really ranged. So unless people board our, our cart, as they did, while, while we're unboarded, I'm effectively useless. So this is fine. I'm just having a wee rest. The main concern is, is, that, is that you die while this is taking place, rather than like, being specifically useful. Well, your concern is noted. Appreciated. Vander. You're up. Okay, I'm going to try and hold on to my mythical protection. Uh, you can let me know if this makes any sense. From his robes, Vander produces the talking doll he picked up in episode 5 and whispers to it. Having done that, he throws the doll in through the window of the cart next to him and the doll, if I've got this right, is going to scream, I'm a bomb! Five, four, three... Two. Let me know, DM. What what do guards do when that happens? I've tied your hands in a fantastic way here. Rolled a natural one. Vanda, <laughs> you you recite, you whisper something. Tuck, you can't quite make out what he's whispering into the doll that has suddenly appeared from nowhere. He tosses it, presumably using your telekinetic hand, into the stagecoach next door. You begin to hear shouting from the stagecoach, like, pull over, pull over, we can't get out, pull over. What are you talking about? There's a bomb! There's a bomb on board! And the cart careens off in order to slow down and get away from you guys. That was genius. Didn't hurt anyone. Well, and to be fair, <laughs> they had every reason to suspect bombs. <laughs> Literally one just went off. I just left the, I'm a bomb! <laughs> that was fantastic. With that bounder stagecoach eliminated, you see with horror rampaging up alongside the remaining bounders behind you a jet black horse with flames licking for up from its hooves a mane of fire even its eyes seem to burn a four-legged nightmare and on its back his cloak billowing in the wind is morphan who joins the pursuit tok your turn our stagecoach is not built for speed but theirs is we're riding in luxury, though. Yeah, yeah we're both yeah. style. The suspension <laughs> if, if is second to none. Benny is so comfortable right now. <laughs> the, the windows, they've got like a little bit of sort of plush leather. So even though I'm wedged, I'm not getting a pressing into my side at all. It's just, it's really nice. Tok, he will, he will take a potion, a, a little bottle out of his uh, pouch and then pour it in Augustus's mouth. Good, we've learned. I've made alterations to the preparation. Tok will cast Cure Wounds on Augustus 
uh, rolled a one, so that is six. And Augustus, you awaken uh, in a bit of pain, quite grumpy and quite exhausted, but you are alive and up. Uh, and then also uh, he will get Tick to crawl out of the bag of holding. Atop his sleek black and flaming mane steed, Morven begins to gain on you at high speed. You hear through the darkness his voice, Automaton, surrender yourself. And behind him, two more bounder stagecoaches begin to close the gap. Augustus. I should swing myself down into the carriage so I'm not easily accessible by this jerk, but can hopefully still fire through projectiles at him if I want to lean out the window. So I'm now down, I'm in the same spot I am, but like inside the carriage, if that's okay. Uh, and I would also like to cast Bless on Tok, Benny and Vanda, and that will give them uh, an extra d4 to any attack roll or saving throw. Solid move. Summoning the God of Tear in your hour of need, exhausted as you are, just as I shut the door of the carriage climbing in, I renew my middle finger of doom in the direction of Morven. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely love it. Back to the top around with Benny. As Augustus lumbers into the carriage, I look him up and down and can see that he's not looking particularly well. And so I say, are you all right, Augustus? Do you need a, do you need a potion or out? Uh, if, you, if you have something, Benny, I'd be most grateful. So for my first action, I'm going to lean across Augustus and fire an arrow at Morven. So that's a natural 20, so 26 total. That's what we want. Yes. Morven raises his hand as you fire your arrow at him in an attempt to magically shield himself, but the arrow, glowing with bioluminescence, rips through the shield. Roll for damage, please. Oh. <laughs> uh, so that is five, uh, so 10 total. As before, the arrow catches him and it looks for a second like he's going to be dragged off the back of his horse as it tries to pin him to the ground but he's able to right himself not being pinned but he does take the damage I dip my head back in to the carriage and a file of healing potion appears in front of Augustus uh, Augustus obviously drinks that fire mage hand for extra theatrical effect Please remove healing potion from your uh, inventory and roll 2d4 and add 2. 6. Cool. Add 6 more, please, Augustus. Well, Augustus grimacing, but nods in thanks at Benny. Vanda. Vanda leans round the cart to survey the road behind him and sees Morven <laughs> directly behind to the right of the cart. Uh, looking at Morven, he says, Right. And then scooches over to the other side of the cart to lean round and look the other way at the two bounder vehicles. He then extends his hand and casts sleep. Please roll 5d8. Uh, I'm going to try and catch both, but I may not be able to. 14. Okay, so sleep obviously targets the lowest HP creature first, which is the bounder driver. The bounder driver falls asleep well, at the reins. Uh, without his careful guiding hand, the horses begin to move. Founder, roll me a d4, please. Get a four. They begin to swerve to the right, causing a something of a calamitous crash. Nice. While the main driver is still asleep, the two clash wheels, which begin to splinter as they collapse in, and they're kind of pinned together as they slowly come to a stop as they disappear interview behind you nothing to do with kill camp but i assume that everyone uh, survived that 
Everyone survived that, so no kills, I'm afraid. Nice try, though. Well done, Vanda. You've done a good thing at last. <laughs> at last. <laughs> I'll, I'll take that definite praise. Oh, that was amazing. Tok. Tok is first going to use his bonus action to get Tick to repair on him, which is 11 hit points back. And then he's going to use his own action to huck another um, fine crystal decanter of acid at Morven. A 16 to hit? Does not hit, I'm afraid. Ah, uh, I know something of his AC now. Okay, um, Tok will take out his sword and uh, wait for Morvin to, I'm assuming... Oh, hang on, 1d4, 1d4 bonus, he's blessed. Play it. <laughs> that's an that's a unnatural 20. Is a hit, please oh, roll God. for damage. <laughs> <laughs> that was slow, I'll admit. The blessing of tear. <laughs> Bless you, my child. So, so that is merely um, three damage to the horse and Morven. Once again, you throw the vial of bubbling green liquid up into the air, perfectly timing it so that it shatters into Morven's chest and shoulder area. You begin to, even in the nighttime darkness, you see sizzling uh, and a kind of yell of pain, but he continues to ride towards you. Augustus. I hold an action, so so like I could use that, like if he rides up alongside, I can use my action then. Uh, I will hold that action in. So that's the end of that round. Tok, can you roll me a d20, please? Uh, 14. You guys are rushing through tight pathways between the tree lines as the pursuit continues between you, the Bounder stagecoaches, and now Morven. Ahead of you, the path begins to dip. You are heading into a hill leading to a curved precipice and a wide and ominous-looking ravine. With no real way of stopping, the stagecoach hurtles down the steep hillside, each of you clinging to whatever you can hold on to. The sound of the wheels rattling intensifies as it reaches a breakneck speed. At the base of the hill lies a daunting 45-foot-wide gorge, with the other side lower than takeoff point. Vanda, give me a animal handling check, please. Oh my god. Uh, so that's a seven. He pauses. Oh, of course, I have been blessed, so it's an eleven. Ooh. Vanda urges the stallions onward, their powerful gallop propelling the coach towards the gaping chasm. Tok, Augustus and Benny, behind you. You see Morven, who is almost within touching distance. With one last crack of the reins, the stagecoach flies off the lip at the edge and you take flight. Behind you, the relentless Morven, mounted on the nightmare steed, surges forward. The flaming hooves barely seem to touch the ground as it defies gravity, soaring through the air with an otherworldly grace, straight towards you. Then, all of a sudden, a blur emerges from the forest behind you. Seraphina, full-size with multicolored butterfly wings and stag beetle antenna, whooshes through the air and collides with Morven. They become a whirlwind of motion, spinning off to the side of the gorge, and with an explosion of shattered stone, crash into the cliff face opposite. Tok, strength saving throw, please. Six, okay, an eight. <laughs> You're gripping the top of the stagecoach, Tok, you find yourself lifting slightly in the air, but you are able to pull yourself back into a stationary position. Vanda, because of your incredible control, with a thump, the stagecoach lands on the other side of the ravine and the horses begin pumping their legs as the wheels spin and you're off again. I believe I owe the gods of Tira thank you for that one. Vanda is going to call to Benny. I've lost sight of the raven, Benny. I don't suppose your keen eyes can pick her out. 
Can I can I see it? Missy is is zooming overhead, kind of circling above where you currently are. She seems to be circling, Vanda. Maybe there's something maybe there's something nearby that we need to be looking out for. Following Benny's gaze, Vanda refocuses the direction of the stagecoach to where the raven circles. Behind you, you can see a couple of bounder stagecoaches on the lip of the ravine above. They've come to a stop and they appear to be repositioning themselves. Tok, your experience of physics and everything like that suggests that they're heading back up in order to get a better run-up to attempt the jump themselves. Maybe uh, several bounders down. Quite. Uh, the raven appears to be circling above a nearby cave that's off the path that you're on within the tree line, but is negotiable in your stagecoach. It's got to be the shout. Realising this, Vanda cracks the reins and heads for the direction of the cave mouth. You manage to kind of avoid any of the trees that are, or tree stumps and uneven ground as you head towards the entrance of a rather large cave. This doesn't look like a naturally forming cave. This looks like it has been drilled out or carved out of the stone. Hawk, you can identify the handiwork of dwarves and dwarven miners. This appears to be the entrance to a dwarven mine. So uh, Tok will uh, expand at length about uh, geology. Banda rolls his one eye and continues heading towards the cave. <laughs> I can see what's going on from my position in, inside. And I poke my head out the window and shout, Banda, got an idea. Once we get inside, pull the coach up. Understood, Benny. Benny, I have lost sight of Morven and Squirrel. Well, I think that's got to be a good thing, isn't it? I fear for Squirrel's safety. Yeah. Me too, Tok, me too. But she's made her own decisions. I'm not sure what we can do. If she has bought us time, we should use it to flee. I couldn't agree more. I was thinking, one of my new abilities, I think I can create a sort of illusion. Make it look like there's been a rock fall. The cave's all blocked up. We couldn't possibly have come in. That idea sounds acceptable. Vanda, you control the horses and lead the stagecoach into the cavern. Uh, inside the dim light of the cave, mouth reveals a labyrinth of strange alien-like rock formations. Stalactites hang from the ceiling like jagged teeth glistening with moisture, while stalagmites rise from the floor, resembling eerie frozen fountains of stone. Uh, the coach rumbles through this surreal landscape for a short while, the echoes of the hooves and wheels reverberating against the ancient mineral carved walls. Vanda has slowed the pace of the stagecoach to navigate the tunnel network. Give me a nature check, Tok. Okay, Tok's going to guide himself. Eleven. You recognise some of the gemstones, but not all of them. You do recognise the tourmaline gemstones scattered around the walls, which you remember from the obsidian matrix. Ah, an element for sending stones. Um, yeah, as we go along, Tok is going to take out a, a small rock hammer and uh, chip away and uh, try and collect as many as he can whilst we're going. There are none that you can see with your eyes that would be suitable because you need a smooth stone that has the tourmaline inside. Uh, okay. But an investigation of the area might be able to reveal them. Vanda, you have found yourself a nice area far enough into the cavern to not be obviously sightable, but with enough natural light coming from the phosphorescence and in between the gemstones that you're not in pitch darkness. It's eerily quiet. Vanda pulls the handbrake of the very fine stagecoach to bring it to a complete stop. <laughs> the handbrake? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Oh, it's, uh, it's now carts and carting. Carts and carts, yeah. That's, I think I think it really posh stagecoaches would have one. It's not like a complicated bit of tech. It's not going to stop the horses, but 
you know, whilst you're moving, but yeah. I'm going to stick with it. So Vanda pulls the handbrake and then painfully alights from the coach. It's obviously been a very, very hard period for Vanda. It's a lot for his frail frame to take. But he shambles up to the door and kind of with his gnarled hand pulls it open. Augustus, how are you? I've had better days, dear Vanda, but I'm I'm bearing up. I'm going to make a small fire. I suggest we take the opportunity to rest after all the excitement. First things first, Vanda, and I hop out of the carriage and look at the kind of entranceway there, closing my eyes and concentrating, and again sort of twist the ring on my index finger. And where there was once an entrance, there now appears to have been a great fall of rubble. The mouth of the cave appears to have been caved in, maybe not fully like floor to ceiling, but about 15 feet high, so that anyone riding past could never imagine that a coach could possibly have gone in there. Probably best to um, pause and gather ourselves, but I can only keep that up for maybe 10 minutes or so. So hopefully they'll, they'll go past, but if they double back on themselves, they'll spot it. So we can't linger. I believe we should explore the cave. Please go ahead, Tok. I uh, unfortunately am suffering a small amount of fatigue. I may need to rest for what little time we have. And with that, Vanda basically collapses. Uh, Tok, give me an investigation check, please. Okay, Tok will guide himself. 16. Vanda, as you're sat around the campfire with the other two, Benny keeping his focus on the illusory wall you've created, and Augustus covered in his own blood and looking absolutely shattered. Tok pulls out his small rock hammer and just begins tapping various gemstones and rocks as he investigates the local area. Uh, Tok, you're able to find one smooth pebble-like stone that you think has tourmaline gemstones inside, which you need two, obviously, in order to make sending stones, but you are halfway there. Tok, you're also able to find what appears to be a pathway leading further into the cave. There are small signs of dwarven civilization here at last, having seen nothing in the main entrance. At the end of the passageway to the north is a large 15-foot-wide door that is slightly ajar. Tok will go back and, and tell the others about the discovery before investigating it, but then we'll double back and have a look. While they're sat around the campfire, Vanda looks over to Benny. Oh, Benny, I understand that this evening may not have appeared to be in your best interest, in that we are most certainly wanted by the Empire. You should know your bow work saved lives tonight. You have my thanks. I sort of glance away from the rockfall for a moment to see if it looks like Vanda is taking the piss. And from the look on his face, he, he appears to be sincere. So Benny's sort of confused, but, but quite appreciative. Thanks, Vanda. You did a good job yourself with, with driving and all. It was That leap was pretty impressive. So we all did, did good work tonight, didn't we? I think we did. And Vanda turns his eye back to the fire, still looking fairly exhausted. Can I do anything to recover some hit points? Yeah, you can roll hit dice. Uh, Tox actually going to roll one of those as well, because I realise I'm kind of damaged. Go for it. I got a 9. Uh, 18 for me. And you approach the door. You can hear a whistling of wind coming from inside. Tox will be patient and have a, a listen for any movement of any creatures or anything within before entering into the door. Give uh, me a perception check, please. 20. Unnatural. Um, from deep within, below your current position, you can hear a 
deep rumbling growl. Give me a nature check. Red. 22. You recognize this as the low growl of a manticore. Ah. And with your party battered and bruised and the sounds of a manticore coming from the room beyond the door, we will end it there. That's why Augustus spent an entire week in his room, just requesting ice every 15 minutes. <laughs> Nobody brought <laughs> No one can make ice. It does, it, it, I don't think you can make ice in this kind of world. That's not why no one brought it. Oh. Benny can make ice. That's Vander craps the rain. Craps? Craps himself, though. That's Vander cracks the rain. <laughs> Hang on, are we moving as well at the same time? Yes. Obviously, I can't... <laughs> You'd have to give me a break. I can't simulate actual movement on this oh, virtual no. tabletop. <laughs> if we were in person, I could move it with my hand and go... But I can't do that virtually. Oh. So you're just going to have to assume that the countryside is moving past you. That reminds me, did anybody play um, Gorkamorka, one of the old um, Warhammer? Like I the, did. It was orcs on, on trucks. And yeah. you literally had a rolling battlefield thing, didn't you? That was, that was such a good game. My favourite thing was the orcs. Like you had to fit the minis on the truck, and the rule was if they if the mini fell off, then the orc fell off the truck. <laughs> I so think we're, we're seeing some... we're seeing yeah. a developmental fork in the road between you and I there, because I used to just zoom them around with no rules at all. <laughs> <laughs> and all of a sudden, everything becomes apparent. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Please consider supporting Dice Company on Patreon, where for the price of a cup of coffee, you get access to a whole other show, Extra Roll, as well as an ad-free listening experience. The Dice Company Discord server, along with our socials, can be found on our link tree in the show notes. If you enjoyed this chapter, please like and subscribe, and don't forget to recommend us to your friends. If you didn't like it, recommend us to your enemies. And we'll see you next time on Dice Company. Dice Company.